Thank you for downloading this episode of the Football Purist Podcast. Please help by subscribing and check out footballpurist.com. So it's another match week, another win for the Reds, as they evolve their game to 18 and 19 levels, if we're really honest. Dismantling Burnley 3-0 for their first clean sheet of the campaign, away. Welcome back to the Talk On Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Hallett, and I'm joined by our mysterious stats man, Ali G. <laughs> How are you? What's up? How's it going? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Very excited to talk to you. Just want to make contact with these stat aliens, and we will. But first... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. Um <laughs> I'll get them up. I just got to figure out what people want to see because there's so much that I can post. Um, if anyone has feedback for me, if anyone's listening out there, let me know what stats you care about. I can put some stuff together. First of all, I wanted to say a big hello to our new listeners from Spain. There's quite a few of you. Spain, our French listeners, seen the biggest surge in French listenership than we've ever seen. So welcome to the podcast. And we have uh, new listeners from the UAE also joining us on Talk On. So we're very glad to have you. And as Allergy sort of pointed out, please interact with us on the Twitter. And you could find us at Talk On Pod, at Talk On Pod. So with all that out of the way, same flow as usual. We'll kick off with a few headlines, which mainly player news with the European window closing officially. And then we'll get into the match look at the first half and the key moments there and sort of do the same thing with the second half, intermixing player analysis as we go. And then we'll finish out its international break. We'll give you some ideas of what to do with your time when we can't watch our favorite club. But first, the headlines. European transfer deadline ended. Nothing new, but some important outgoings. In addition to Neymar staying put, and Bruno Fernandes also staying put. thought that was interesting. But for a, just a Liverpool concern, we had Ryan Kent finally making his move to Rangers. Another relic of the past, Lazar Markovic formally making his move back to the club where he started partisan Belgrade. Lazar! <laughs> so Marco is long expected exit. I don't know how many windows we've been tracking this, going back three or four at least. How do you see his tenure? Is it like, thank God Mike Gordon learned his lesson with the transfer committee and <laughs> Marco gets a new lease on life with his career? Or is it... I don't know what it was, but I was one of his biggest fans. I thought he was going to be really good. What's funny is I think if he scored that attempt against Sunderland, do you remember that, that shot he had? Of that, course. I think it was like a crazy volley unnatural and it just looked amazing if that went in i think his uh career would have been way different (laughs) yeah um so many players wondering what might have been under yeah i mean he was he was a guy that every season he won a trophy and then comes to liverpool and just completely was a fail but it could have been because of brendan roger rogers playing him at uh wing back um not sure if he had the right coach at the right time but wish him the best i thought he was going to be good 
Poor guy. I think all of us did. And Ryan Kent is another transfer committee decision, brought in 15-16 from Coventry City, then very quickly loaned back to them and loaned all over a bunch of different places, finally landing at Steven Gerrard's club, Rangers. Probably he, a fresh start. He wasn't going to get minutes with Klopp, yeah, was he? Yeah, he's not a Premier League player. Let's just leave it at that. Let's see what Gerrard does with him. I don't think Gerrard's a Premier League manager, so it might be a good fit. <laughs> we'll wow. see what happens. Everybody relying on Gerrard for the Klopp replacement down the road, so we'll just kind of put a time box on that. Yeah, so, not me. Not you. Okay. So getting into the match, the setup wasn't laden with a lot of surprises, right? I mean, Burnley do what they do. Same lineup they've been going with, probably dating back to last season. And then Liverpool, we've achieved some stability with our 11, haven't we? Any surprises at all? Um, I wouldn't say any surprises. I think I thought Milner might have come on, but not no surprises there. I mean, maybe a Gomez shout, but Matip's been on fire. So so nothing that surprised me, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, about the same. And it's good. Fabinho has locked down that that holding midfield role and Henderson's playing his best, I think, that we've ever seen him play. So it's good to see him doing his thing and Genie the ever recycling midfielder to like keep control of the ball, keep possession. Mm-hmm. If you look at the first half, so we another start in a row where we're on the front foot and making all the runs, precision passing, Trent and Robbo getting the ball in the air, lots of chances created for Mane and Mo, a couple halves of solid clop football end to end. Were you expecting this much of a progression? I, to be honest, I thought this was going to be a way, way, way harder game. Um, after playing Arsenal, I, uh, you know, in my head, I thought, okay, Burnley away, that's going to be a tougher challenge. Um, and that's not a dig at Arsenal fans. It's just the way Burnley play at Burnley. They are going to come injure you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to make it absolute hell to play there. They're going to make the pitch absolutely disgusting to play on and hard to pass the ball, hard to move on. And I was surprised at how professional, how good, how well-oiled we were. The performance looked like something uh, – off the tail end of last season and something where it looked like it was like game number, you know, 40 for us. Um, it looked like we just kept continuing on with, with the form we were on. And I was surprised with our goalie putting a great shift in. I was surprised with our defense, keeping a clean sheet. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see all that because that's something we were, we were kind of worried about, but, um, this game kind of put that away for us. As you kind of sit back and reflect, you bring up an interesting point that, you know, it didn't seem like the game that always worried us. I mean, this is last year at Turf Moor where Gomez went down and has always been a tough tie for us, especially away. When Coutinho left was, who's going to be the Coutinho replacement? Without a Coutinho replacement, we're not going to be able to unlock these low-blocking teams. Has Klopp solved this problem or the Dross Burnley worse than we remember? I th- I think what 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 we're seeing right now is we're seeing a really 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 world class defensive mid take command of that six role and allowing our midfielders to just do what they need to do to press the opponents to unlock Mane Firmino um, and Salah. So I, I think it's 
that's one big aspect of it. I think his range of passing and, and he's a big bastard in the middle too. So we have him who can counter Burnley's physicality. Then we have Virgil van Dyke who can do the same. And then we have another bastard in Robertson. So I think we can give it to them, but we're better players than them as, at the same time. And we're helping unlock our attacking strength with this new number six, this guy that's taking control of this role. And I think it's bringing the best out of Henderson too. So I don't think it's a, it's more of a low block thing where we need someone shooting from the outside in. I think it's more of the way we play and the personnel we have now at our, at our expose or, you know, the personnel we have now. Yeah. You mentioned Fabinho and Van Dyke and Robertson. Trent didn't put a foot wrong, at least from what I had seen and how he defended as well as getting the ball in the air. And Joel Matip, he sort of made a name for himself intercepting the ball at the halfway line. That's what he does now. And oh, yeah. it, we'll get into the third goal, Bobby's goal later, but started off of an, an attack. It was his ball to Bobby ultimately through and back to him, to Mo and then back to Bobby. But that's unpopular a, opinion. But I think the second half of last year when Matip came back in, he was playing on par, if not better than than Virgil Van Dyke at times. So I think I think he's continuing that. I mean, he does make a silly mistake here here and there, especially in the first couple of games we saw. But him on form is something amazing and majestic to see. Especially the way he moves, it just cracks me up every time. Well, especially when something doesn't go his way, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Arms and legs <laughs> flailing. Yeah. It cracks me up. So, you know, we go through a lot of chances created. You had Mo hitting the near post, close chance, and then Mane had another opportunity from Bobby. Spend a second on Bobby. His distribution, it seems we're at the 17-18 Bobby or better. 18, you know, last year, 18-19 wasn't the most productive for him. I mean, it's doing a lot of his industrious work, getting the ball, distributing the ball. But it, this just seems like a different Bobby. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's great about Bobby is just, it looks like he's on a, on a training pitch or like it's a training session for him. He's having fun. He's bringing his Brazilian flair out, but he's like dominating the game. He's reinventing this role for himself. The fans love him. He knows the fans love him. He loves us. It's just a great moment right now. And the way he unlocks our two front wide players and how selfless he is, is pretty incredible. Um, I think when he gets a ball in the final third, he has something like a 83 to 85% successful passing rate, which is pretty insane for a final third ball. So he's just very clinical when he's when he's in the box and, and in the final third. And he's just a lovely human being. I love him. <laughs> Absolutely love him. <laughs> How could you not? I mean, I don't know if the guy speaks a word of English at this point. He probably does. Um, but oh, does, he for does, sure does. Doesn't, well, yeah, doesn't do a lot of interviews. But it, just looking at the guy, million-dollar smile with the white teeth, I want to adopt the kid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, value to the offense and going forward is unquestioned. And in addition to you know his technical skill, making decisions in key moments has always been his strength. And I think he's even a plus over Mo and Mane. Yeah, absolutely. He was unplayable on the pitch against Burnley, and and he's continuing the form. He's doing well for Brazil now. He's gaining a lot of confidence, and you can see it. I think like the love from the fans is like bringing the best out of him, and he's feeling more comfortable on the pitch. You know, he's been the unsung hero for so long now, and now people are starting to see it and realize it. And I think it's 
making him even better than he was, which is incredible to see. So we're seeing him in his prime right now. He's reinvented the role. He's creating chances every, you know, like big chances every 30, 40 minutes. It's incredible. And he's the first player on the, on the team sheet for me every time. And as I think back to last year, I mean, the way he's playing now, it almost makes me think he was nursing an injury playing through the pain like there, there was something about Bobby last year that just wasn't 17 18 Bobby I think I know what happened last year so I remember looking at all his heat maps he was dropping in way 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 deeper into the midfield and having um, our our wide players Mane and Salah take more responsibility to go forward so we saw less goals but we saw more clean sheets and I think as our number six got more comfortable he kept making his way further and further up into the the normal number nine position. So I think we were waiting for Fabinho to get fully embedded into the team for him to go fully forward into the number nine. Um, so I think that's what happened. So we, we took a little bit away from his attacking game to help with the midfield duties um, to ensure we get clean sheets. That's just based off the heat maps that I've looked at from last year and this year. With Fabinho boxed, boxing off that holding role or just <laughs> striking. He's like covering... So much heat in that middle of the park. His heat map's just two big balls. <laughs> big, best player. <laughs> Try, trying to keep this pod non-explicit, so let's <laughs> walk the line there. Um, <laughs> and then uh, about 33 minutes in, we get we get Trent's whoopsie daisy cross that reminded me of the qualifying match versus Hoffenheim away. If you remember Milner, it was like the whoopsie daisy cross that yeah. made it in the back of the net sometimes better luck to be lucky than good but we've been good so much look I, I don't see that as luck i don't see that as a fluke that ball if it didn't hit wood in the back it slightly touched him that was going to be in a very very dangerous position whether or not he would have gotten it there or not i think it would have caused a lot of trouble for burnley the goals were coming that i don't think it's luck that's just something he does every every game so i don't I see that as just an aspect of his game. I don't see that as luck. Another testament for how switched on we were in the moment. Ben Mee makes a mistake at the halfway line. Now that's a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) His mistake went right to the foot, the lunging foot of Firmino, to which he just accelerates, draws a defender, makes Tarkowski commit, and lays the ball off to Mane for such a professional finish. You know, he he makes that look a lot easier than it actually is. I mean, he had two options. He had Salah, he had Mane. But just the way he uses his body and disguises the ball and where he's going to pass it, he creates all that space for Mane to ha- have a one-touch goal. And I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. It's just the way he can get the ball and disguise it and pass the ball and create a huge chance based off one tiny pa- pass that looks so easy. But really, in reality, there's a lot that goes into it. That takes care of the first half. We rest off to halftime and come back. I felt like we didn't lose any momentum coming back to the pitch. You? Yeah, I felt the same way, and I was worried about it. At halftime, I was thinking to myself, okay, Burnley's at home. They're going to knuckle down, absolutely make it miserable for us to play. But it felt like we just continued on. We had the momentum. We were just outclassing them in every aspect of the game, even their own game. (laughs) Then you get that wonderful Bobby moment that has him do the Samba dance at the end celebration. You've got Matip winning the ball and getting it forward with pinpoint accuracy to Bobby. Then 
half a second later, he's got it off to Mo. <laughs> and then Mo does what he does in the box and gets it back to Bobby. You know, as we move forward in the match, you get the disagreement. Mane a little frustrated with Mo. What do you make of that? No big deal. No, I I mean, I want my players to be like that. If if I had strikers who didn't care about winning, we were up 3-0. And we said this about Suarez when he was on our team. We loved how he would fight for, you know, a ball that's supposed to be our corner. And we're up 5-0, you know what I mean? And he absolutely loses his mind. I want my strikers to want to score more. I want them to want to win harder. I want them to be at the top of their game. And they are. And that's why we saw that. He has passion. He wants to win. He wants to score. He didn't get a ball that he thinks he should have gotten. And honestly, he probably should have gotten that pass. But we have players in Firmino who's the most selfless player in the world. Then we have Mane who makes very good decisions. Um, And don't forget, Mane was very selfish last season. And he had a dip in form because we were on his ass about it. And then we have Salah who's absolutely clinical. He has the best conversion rate um, and shot accuracy. And he is very selfish. So that's why our front three works. Um, and I like the fact that they are, you know, on each other about getting passes and they're going to sort it out in the locker room. I don't think it's a big issue at all. I think the media just wanted to jump on it and make it make it something so they can get clicks. Um, I saw no no problems with it and I don't see any issues going forward. Yeah, it's a really weird position to be in week to week with this club where we're used to seeing all kinds of gaping holes and positions where we're light or depth we don't have. I mean, of course, we still have concerns with depth, but this Liverpool team, it's really tough to find fault. Need to like savor the moment because it isn't always this way in football, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And look, I get it. Salah has been a little more selfish than we've seen before. It's like almost like Ronaldo where he's making it more about him and his legacy. But I know Salah deep down, like he has opportunities to get balls from Mane, like you saw a lot last season. He just continues playing, and he understands that it's part of the game. People make decisions in the game, and it's always for the greater good of Liverpool. Sometimes it might not seem like that, but they always want to put the team first. Um, We're up 3-0. He probably was looking straight down, didn't see Mane, and if he did, he probably saw him at the last moment and couldn't change his decision. Mane got frustrated. And I would have gotten frustrated too, but it's part of the game. They're professionals. I want them to get frustrated. I want them to want more. And I'm actually happy about it. If it doesn't happen, I'd be more worried. Wondering why not Milner in the midfield? He's perfectly situated on the sidelines to jump in in these moments and (laughs) save Sadio and do so on Instagram. That's great. Yeah, yeah. He's hilarious. He's He's exactly what we need. I know a lot of people say like it's such a cliche to say we we need him as a locker room guy, but he truly and honestly is a good locker room guy. And you saw it, how he diffused the situation. You saw how he, he responds to it online. He makes everyone feel good around him. So I'm glad to have him. Would you resign him? I absolutely would. I don't care that he's on what 150k. He was free. He is an absolute machine in training he sets a good example for the kids and i would keep him as long as he's able to play yeah i think a player manager for him as a returning role i think that would be important and klopp knows how to manage his minutes at this point so why not exactly okay adrian in earning his first clean sheet with the club he did so in a pretty fantastic way that jay rodriguez run which 
you thought he might be flubbing the way he originally stopped him at the edge of the box. And Rodriguez got another shot off and he was able to stop that too. So clean. was that the offside one yeah. where the second one was offside? He still saved it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a psychological yeah. thing for him and versus Rodriguez coming at him. You know, you know, what's nice to see like when he first came in, yeah, he wasn't ready because he hasn't played with the team. He's barely been at Melwood. Um, but now it seems like everyone's comfortable with him. They understand how he plays. Um, I, I just I think that he fits in perfectly. He's a perfect number two. Um, I think Allison will come in and he ha- we'll, we'll look back at Adrian's time and we'll say he did an absolutely monumental job for the circumstance. Yeah, it's not like he hasn't had anything to do back there. I mean, he doesn't fit in quite like Allison does with building from the back and always being a reliable source for the ball when Virgil's running into friction or Matip, they're, you know, being responsible, not always giving him the ball. But know. he doesn't make me feel uneasy, which I thought, it, you know, the feeling you get with Mignolet back there, like he kind of is like a poor man's Allison for us. And if it, it, it works pretty well. <laughs> I mean, he's taken home a trophy. He's been undefeated since exactly. he stepped in. So that's Adrian. You're celebrating a hell of an August please continue it if Allison's still out. I hope that he comes back. We now reach the part of the pod where we talk about what the hell are we going to do on international break? Oh, God. Underwater basket weaving. I'm going to start a new podcast for dads. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Allie, are you going to be watching Bobby and uh, and Fabinho hopefully ride the, the bench versus Peru while Peru what, what, just slaughters the rest of Team Brazil? What day is the game? We might as well just go to it, right? That's what it's I'm in saying. In our backyard. It's it's at the Coliseum in Watts, which is a dangerous area for those that don't understand Southern California, LA, but I'd be willing to do it. What uh, what day is it? It's the 10th, whatever day that is. I think it's a Tuesday, oh, Wednesday. That's on Tuesday. Let's go. Let's go do it. Done. Um, Listeners, we'll you heard it here first. And, and then, yeah, we'll buy some tickets. We'll go watch the game in person and we'll let you guys know how Bobby and Fabinho do off the ball because that's something... TV can't show you. There you go. We'll give you real-time information that he is injury-free. He's perfectly fine. Talk on podcast, your authority. <laughs> <laughs> so that pretty much completes it. We've got a lot of things to think about in terms of preparing for Newcastle, other things happening in the league. But for this August, it's been a pretty perfect one. So we're going to be tidy, let you off to your the rest of your day. Allie, appreciate you joining me. And I appreciate until, you as well. <laughs> until next time, talk on. Talk on. Talk on.